Welcome to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson, a show that brings you regular interviews, tips and tools for building your business online. Let me take just a few seconds here to tell you about my brand new e-commerce course uh, that is perfectly designed for those of you who are looking to build your own online business, right? I know it's going to work well for you guys because we deep dive into the process that I use to build my own e-commerce businesses. We're going to look at the six key elements that you need to be aware of for building a successful online store. I'm utterly convinced it'll make a huge difference to your business. I am I'm super proud of it, let me tell you. And it is brand new for 2020. It's called the e-commerce masterclass. You can check out what other people think about the course. You can find out more information on my site at mattedmondson.com. Let me give a big shout out to one of our show sponsors, Curious Digital. You know what? I love its flexibility. It's such a great platform. You know how when you start out, you might typically use an online platform because they're cheap, they're easy to use, super accessible, but you know what? They aren't that flexible. And as your business grows, you end up moving to an agency, right? because that's just what you do. And at some point, you're going to have this nightmare to deal with, and it can be incredibly expensive. And the thing for me that I love about KD is it will grow with you. You can start out on the platform easily, and as your business grows, then KD will adapt with you. Now, I don't know of any other platform that does all of that. So if you're in the market for a new e-commerce platform, make sure you follow the links from mattedmondson.com. Take advantage of the offers that they've got for you and uh, let me know what you think. Shout out to another show sponsor, the Lightbulb Agency. These guys basically do those bits of e-commerce that you either don't want to do or don't have the skills or expertise to do, right? It's a great service. Let me tell you, these guys do fulfillment, e-commerce marketing, content creation, customer service, product research. I mean, the list goes on. So if you need help with your own online business, you're looking for ways to grow and you need some help to get there, do get in touch with them. And again, just follow the links from today's show notes. Head on over to mattedmondson.com and you can follow the links to the Lightbulb Agency. We'd love to put you in touch with those guys. Okay, welcome to the e-commerce podcast with me, Matt Edmondson. It is great that you have joined us on this show. This is a very special recording with my now very good friend, Tony Guarnaccia. Uh, I'll explain why I'm laughing in a minute when you're listening to the show. Uh, but we are here to help you thrive. We're here to help you grow your e-commerce business and do all kinds of amazing stuff online. Now, this is a very special show for two reasons. One, it is the final show of season three. I can't believe we've made through three seasons already. But it is also like our I'm guessing our fourth or fifth attempt, Tony, to record <laughs> this. Um as you, as you know, if you're a listener to the show, a regular to the show, I broadcast live over Facebook um, at the same time as we record these podcast interviews. But for whatever reason, when Tony and I get online together, the computer that I've got, the Apple Mac, which I've spent ludicrous amounts of money on so I could do this, uh, just keeps crashing. 
And so I don't know why it is. We've not got to the bottom of it yet, but Tony has suffered. Uh, but Tony is with us now. We're doing this on Zoom the old-fashioned way. We've just ditched the live streaming thing. We're just going to record it. And uh, Tony, thanks for being here. And, and listen, thanks for your patience. I really appreciate it. Oh, sure. It's my pleasure. On the surface of it, we may look like a professional company. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, geez, never mind. You should never, what is it they say? You should never work with children and animals. And I'm now going to throw Apple Mac computers live streaming into that mix. That's just me. Yeah. Um, so Tony, listen. Um, I'm, I feel like I know you like <laughs> really well because we've had so many conversations. But um, for those that don't know you that have that have not come across you, just give uh, folks a bit of background. Sure. Yeah. So I grew up in small business. My parents had a, a small Italian bakery. When I was um, 12, we lost everything. We lost the house, the dog, uh, the car, everything. It was no really way. a traumatic time. Yeah. And that kind of set me up for kind of my future, my purpose, which is to help businesses avoid kind of <laughs> crisis and, and come out stronger. Yeah. And so years later, when I was in college, I, I studied business, went to university, studied business and uh, left and started an e-commerce company of all things. And that business great company to in, start, right? That's my first, my first business was an e-commerce business. So back in the day, this is the late nineties. I was on the top of Google. Well, that was cutting edge, right? If you're doing e-commerce in the late nineties, I mean, that's yeah. like some of the first guys to market at this point, right? Correct. Yeah. We were one of the first online bakeries in the, in the States. And we, you know, we had amazing technology. We were able to take a cake, put a photo on it ship it anywhere in the country. And we won a bunch of awards. do a great PR. Uh, we, we ended up ca- uh, mailing cakes to Jennifer Lopez and Jay-Z <laughs> and IBM and Microsoft, all these huge companies. Wow. And so like, like I was sharing uh, before, I thought I was a rock star. I thought, man, <laughs> I am so smart. You know, I got this down. Yeah. yeah. And th- Check and me out I, guys. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's why I learned, I didn't know what I didn't know. And then, you know, that business came crashing down. And so that was, you know, it was a tough time because it was kind of failure number two. Failure number one was me as a kid. Yeah. I didn't really have influence over it. Failure number two was really on me because I was driving all this. And at the time, I was newly married, baby on the way. And I was like, this, this sucks. You know, how do I, how do I get out of this? How, how do I learn what I missed? Yeah. You know, who knows how to actually do this? And that's why I started working for some great companies over the span of 10 years, like Google, yeah. uh, Ford, ADP, a bunch of really uh, amazing companies. So in this uh, in this kind of, there's so many stories like this, right? Where we set something up, it goes a bit nuts, but we didn't get some, maybe some of the fundamentals, right? The business collapses in on itself. But as a result yeah. of that, we learn, we grow, we develop, and you know, here we are. And I know, um, you know, one of the words that you use a lot, which I, I think is such an important word for this moment in time, is resilience, right? Yes. And we've, we, you and I have talked about this, uh, but this idea of resilience. And so was resilient, your first e-commerce business, the, the pictures on the cake, which is, you know, we see it all over the place now, but it was kind of, it was really cool back then. Um, yeah. Was it resilience? Was that, was that missing how you would define resilience? Is that why it, it didn't work your e-commerce business? No, I mean, the really the thing that hurt it was the business stopped becoming valuable. I mean, to me, resilience is bouncing back yeah. and doing something that, you know, that that is workable. Yeah. If a business is fundamentally not workable, uh, in this case, it wasn't because it wasn't profitable, then 
it's really not resilience. It's, you know, lunacy <laughs> to keep trying to make something work. That's not going to work. The definition really is insanity, isn't it? Doing the same yeah, exactly. thing over and over again. Yeah. yeah. So re- resilience in my case was going out, learning what I had to do and then starting another business. Yeah. I think entrepreneurs have resiliency in their blood, you know, for the most part, if you're a real entrepreneur, you're going to bounce back and do something else. You're going to find, find what works and keep yeah. working until you do. Yeah. That's very true. Actually. I, I can attest to that. That is, a common trait amongst entrepreneurs. It's not that they don't fail. It's just that actually if it fails, it's just a stepping stone to something else, isn't it? It's, yes. it's a, a trendy word is pivot, isn't it? We kind of, yeah. we pivot at the moment and, um, and that's what you do. That's what entrepreneurs do. You find the way and that's what resiliency is all about. So yeah. what do you mean when you said for your, your cake business saying you stopped being valuable? Profitable, profitable. Oh, profitable so, uh, so, so what happened was we were very dependent on shipping because we could take the photo cake was an innovation at the time. It's a, a lot more ubiquitous now, but the real innovation back then was the ability to mail a cake. Yeah. So we had a whole system that had dry ice and packaging and that became very cost prohibitive, very expensive. And then we also, uh, when UPS and FedEx raised their prices, it just, the business wasn't working. And yeah. so we weren't viable anymore. And just the cost, I think I mentioned this before, but the cost for acquisition relative to the lifetime value just wasn't there. We weren't getting repeat buyers. Uh, we weren't, the cost for getting them in the first place was too much. And so the math just didn't work out. Didn't work out. No. So um, <clears throat> before you talked about uh, this sort of, um, this idea of the results loop and the flywheel yeah. that I really want to get into tonight um and just just let just sort of give us the headline what where does that start with the the flywheel yeah so the the idea behind the flywheel comes from jim collins seminal book called um good to great yeah where he talks about great companies leverage a flywheel and that's all great in theory but what i notice is a lot of businesses they don't have a flywheel their flywheel is broken or non-existent yeah uh, and so what I said is, okay, how do you actually get results, which I call the results flywheel. And really what I discovered is there's really three components. You need to know what you need to do. You need to know how to do it. And then you actually have to do it, take action. When those three things are in combination, you can get the flywheel effect. If they're missing, then generally you get stuck or, or worse. Okay. So what you need to do, how you need to do it. And step number three was take action, right? So I've Correct. written that down. So have you got an example of how that would work? Yeah. So this applies to anything. So a lot of times I just use the, the example of like weight loss, you know, so I need, no, I need to lose weight. That's an easy one. Then you need to know how to do it. So you have to, you know, eat, eat less, exercise more, et cetera. And then finally you have to actually do it, which is where most people get stuck, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is the actual doing fail. it. Yeah, yeah. I failed there for exactly. many years. I knew what to do, Ex- just didn't do it. It's going to be worth Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Unfortunately, for small businesses, a lot of times they have the right intention and they do take action. What they're missing is the what, the strategy. And so if you look at it, where you are today is really a, the, the result of the decisions you made in the past. Yeah. Now, there can be exceptions. There's like life chances. If you're in, born in the middle of you know Africa and you're underprivileged, that can be different. But for most of us, especially the people probably listening to this call, you know, we have a, we, we're in the upper 10% of the world, at least. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? at least, yeah, yeah. At least. And so for us, where we end up is really the result of our decisions or really another way to think about it is the priorities we, we choose. 
And you can think about your priorities in terms of your time, your effort, and your money. Where you invest, where you put your effort makes all the difference. And, and that's why it's so important to know the what. So what should I be focused on? Should I be doing SEO? Should I be doing uh, Facebook? Should I yeah. be doing something else? That is really the critical thing you want to take into account first because that's going to drive everything else. And then also having goals attached to it. So it's not just like, I just have to do Facebook, but I want to get X many sales. I want to get X many um, growth, you know, uh, year over year, et cetera. Yeah. So many new uh, buyers from this, et cetera. Yeah. And that's, I, I like that. Cause that, that's critical. I, again, it's one of those things, isn't it? I, I have so many people who will come to me and say, Matt, how do I do Facebook ads, right? For my e-commerce business. And the first question I inevitably ask straight after them is, well, actually, should you be doing Facebook ads? Let's not make the assumption that you should, but right. actually tell me why you should be doing them. And so this yeah. is your what, isn't it? Um, yes. So what what do you need to do? Do you need, as a business, with your audience, with your business model, with the products that you are selling, do you need to do Facebook ads? And have you figured that out first rather than just assuming you need to do them because everybody else is doing them? Is that correct? Is that right? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It could get, you know, it gets more granular as you get into deeper. I'm very much simplifying it, but the what <laughs> can, can go across many, many different facets, which I'll talk about, you know, when we get into the loop. Yeah, no, that's great. But I think, you know what, for me, the most powerful things are the most simple things. Cause I understand yeah. them. Um, yeah. And you know, it was Steve Jobs, isn't it? Who was, who was, coined as saying simplify 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 his whole thing was to simplify everything that's why there was only ever one button on the front of the iphone that's do you know what i mean and there's cut everything back and i i love the simplicity of this what do you need to do how are you going to do that and how are you going to take action what action are you actually going to take how are you going to measure that how are you going to be accountable to that how are you going to uh, ensure you're taking the right actions no brilliant brilliant stuff so this leads into what you call the results loop right? correct and yeah. so what is the results loop and why why honestly why should i care no it's a great question so the results loop is really what i discovered drives the growth for the for the best companies in the world so i took what i learned from working with over the 10 years working mm -hmm. with some of the great companies and tried to apply that to small businesses and this really started when i had my marketing agency because i noticed a lot of companies were struggling you know, they want to do Facebook or SEO or whatever else you could think of. Yeah. And they weren't getting the traction they wanted. And I, I was thinking, why is that? And what I remember was working in the corporate world, we did not leave anything to chance. You know, we'd have teams of people sitting for weeks on end with 30 tab spreadsheets planning what we were going to do and how we're going to get there and the contingencies. What if we don't hit this? What do we do? You know, all that was worked out. Business owners, you know, they spend more time planning, you know, their vacation than their business. And so, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> you know, I laugh. It's sad, but it's true, right? It is yeah. sad, but it's true. So I know that's the reality. So I said to myself, okay, if that's the case, how do I take what these best companies are doing and make it simple to understand, easy to execute so anyone can do it in like 15 minutes? And that was my whole mission with creating the results loop. So that's the result of it is I distilled everything they did into just six factors that anyone can really understand. Wow. And like, I, I mean, I've said it before, but that is a heck of a mission to reduce all of that down. So something you can do easily 15 minutes and work on, right? Correct. Um, so what are these six elements then? Yeah. So the first one is the markets you choose. Okay. So the markets are, are, are critical because that is how you segment your market. 
uh, or, or your, your audiences. So, you know, uh, it can be um, divided in many different ways. It could be geographically, you know, we're only going to serve this particular region or that region. Yeah. It could be by people's needs. It could be by people's behaviors, but you want to come up with at least one framework or one idea of how you slice and dice the market. That way you can prioritize the sub markets within those markets. And that's going to give you the highest return investment when you kind of segment that out. So you're going to get the highest return investment when you hit these sub-markets. Correct. So what you mean by sub-markets is let's take, um, I don't know, the market of, uh, um, oh, you give me that, my, my mind's well, gone blank. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's been a long day. Uh, <laughs> one, of, one of my e-commerce clients uh, sells uh, fly fishing okay. here. And so he, he had uh, different kinds of segments there. You know, there was people that would do fly fishing offshore there'd be other people that would do it you know in in lakes you know different areas i'm trying to remember myself what they were because it was a couple <laughs> of years ago uh but he would segment the market that way but you could also yeah. start segment it by you know male versus female for instance you know if it's primarily he, he happened to have a primarily male audience but the uh targeting their wives for instance could be a great win because it could be a great gift because they could sell a rod and it's a thousand dollars that kind of thing yeah. so it's looking at okay where are we getting the greatest return. Like, and so once you get some traction, one of the things you want to do is look at your list of buyers and say, is there any patterns here that can help determine, you know, what markets you're going to serve. If you don't, if you're a startup and you don't have that, look at your competitors, see if you can model them or yeah. see if you can find, you know, any, and how do you do that? Well, look at their website. A lot of times they'll have blog posts that, that target their market. Yeah. And so you can be kind of strategic and say, okay, where is the lowest hanging fruit? Yeah. Yeah. And also I think you can also, I mean, check their social media for me. It's a social, social yeah, media is a giveaway who, who you're Absolutely. serving and who you're trying to reach yeah. uh, becomes really obvious on their, their social feeds, even what social media platforms they're on, especially if they're smart, right? They, they've, they've yeah. thought this through. Okay. So the first one is markets, um, figuring out what markets you're going to go into segmenting those markets. Um, how do you choose the right market then to hit? Yeah. So what you want to look at is, well, this kind of ties into the next phase, which is your products and services, which I call offerings. And so you want to match those two together because your your everything is the, you know, based on those two fundamental pillars. So your product, your pricing, all that is going to to matter because, for instance, if you have a high end market, so another way to segment the market is by price point. Because if you're going higher end, right, you want to make sure your products and services are of higher quality and a yeah. higher price to justify that. And that sometimes can be a place to prioritize. But how do you prioritize is based off of the profitability a lot of times. And also, you can go back to what we talked about initially, the profitability and also the cash flow. So if it's a product that might take forever to ship, you know, it's months delayed for whatever reason, maybe you don't prioritize that. It's also looking at the average order value. And, and also, is this a product that could get them to become uh, more recurring? Yeah, I always like loss leader products. So if you can get someone to come in, a lot of times people call it a tripwire. You know, people come in on a low price point. If we know that they can come on that product and they'll buy it, buy, buy it again and again, that's a different scenario too. So you got to kind of look at it. But the end goal should be to maximize your lifetime value. That's really where you look at it. And there's many ways to do it. Yeah, you've talked about this before, the lifetime value. How do I... And I, and you're going to hear it a lot, right? We use it a lot in e-commerce, lifetime value. What sort of things do you use to measure the lifetime value of a customer, right? How do you, how do you know, 
how to calculate that number. Yeah. So you want to look at on average, how many times they're going to stay with you over a period of time. If you don't know, three years is a good estimate. Okay. Then what you want to look at is um, how many times are they buying the frequency? Yeah. So they buying more than once during the year and the goal should be get them to buy more. And then you want to look at the average price point of every product and ideally the profitability because the profitability is so important. And then you just multiply that, that out. Now, from a technical perspective, you can get a lot of this data right from, you know, if you have WooCommerce or if you have, uh, you know, any of the major shopping, you know, Shopify, a lot of times they'll have that data. And also Google Analytics will provide a lot of that data as well. And so you can build a dashboard and be able to see that and track it over time. Yeah. Yeah. No, fair enough. Um, so uh, we've got our markets and then we talk about offerings. So what we're bringing to the market, uh, how, how have you seen that work well in terms of um, people sort of offerings that you think have come to the market and come well, just as examples that we can think of, for example. Uh, so the question is a new product or offering. Yeah. Uh, just, yeah. Sorry. I need to be much clearer. Um, so we took, you talk about markets, segmenting them down and bringing an offer into that yeah. market. Um, and in the market, she talked about the fly fishing in the offerings. Yeah. What's an example that we could think of um, that would that would help us connect with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, let me go back to basics. Actually, the, the way these are actually paired together is by looking at in a matrix. And so there is a famous matrix you might learn in, in university. It's called the Ansov matrix. And most people don't think about this, but it's very powerful. The Ansov it's an exos- matrix. Yeah. Ansov matrix. Okay. So that was one of the, the ideas I had behind creating this, these two pillars. But if you look at that, you can say, okay, what new products can I offer the new markets? Or do I offer new markets to new, new, um, or do I offer uh, new products to existing markets? Okay. Or do I take my existing products and go to new markets? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that exercise is really what can drive it. So it's not just, okay, I have a sub market and I have a new offering. It's really at looking at those combinations because that forces your mind to think about now how I can grow. you're starting to do some creative thinking, aren't you? And you're, Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So when you do that, so to give me an example of how, how that would work, I'll just use something really basic, like, uh, like a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. So we have coffee shops in our area. And so what they'll do is a lot of times they start off in coffee and they say, okay, I have this market. How can I expand it? Well, let's offer them donuts, right? Yeah. Or they might say, Hey, now we're going to go into a new market. We're going to go into the lunch market or, or, you know, and offer them new products. So they kind of go hand in hand. And yeah. so you can find examples in numeral innumerable examples you know look at what amazon did they originally had technology they're creating for themselves right and then they started offering more and more that technology for others now all of a sudden they have this whole data division that's doing you know that's growing faster than anything else yeah and so it's really looking at how can i leverage as much of what i have as much as i can and the easiest thing to do is leverage your existing buyers so if they're already with you today how can you get more out of those same same kinds of buyers. That's really, really good. So what new products could I bring to my existing customers? Uh, that's a really great question, isn't it? The, there's, we use words like upsell and cross-sell, and these are all the, yeah. just the basic same questions, isn't it? How can, sure. you, how can you maximize the value that you deliver to your clients and therefore retain from your clients? Correct. Uh, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Okay, so markets, offering, what's next? 
The next one is value. And you can see on the um, results loop or, or we're just on podcast now, so maybe you can't see it. But if you look, <laughs> if, you, if you look at the manifesto, you can see it. It's kind of the bridge between the one side and the other. Okay. So the value is what connects everything. And the value answers the question, why would someone buy from you as opposed to anyone else or do nothing at all? Yeah. And so that's really the critical uh, function because once you define your products and services, you have to say, okay, why would someone actually buy it? How do I make it unique? How do I make it more valuable? And, yeah. and sometimes that can be a challenging e-commerce. So if you're just selling the same things that everyone else is doing, why should they buy from you? You know, do you offer better, uh, you know, customer support, you know, like Mac, do you, um, are you able to uh, bundle things? A lot of times you can add extra value in e-commerce by bundling. Mm-hmm. So if you just take, you know, a candle and you're against all the other candles, you know, why would someone buy that? But if you, you kind of put it together with, uh, you know, the candle holder and the flower, you know, you kind of bundle it together for a Valentine's Day gift, yeah. all of a sudden it's worth a lot more. Yeah. So it's really thinking creatively, how do I, and really what you're buying there, what the customer is buying is time. Yeah. Because you're saving them time because they don't have to hunt for everything, every single thing. You see this all the time with technology. You yeah, know, yeah. you get the computer, you get this, you get that, and people don't have to think about it. And, and that helps you get a much higher margin because they're not price, you're not commodity at that point. They're not cross uh, comparing you with everybody else. Yeah, that's really interesting. So by increasing the value, you stop them hunting around, you stop them comparing and doing the comparison. Yeah. And one way to increase value is to do the bundles. It's like they get stuff from you that they don't get from anywhere else. Correct. That's really great. I mean... How else do you increase value? What are some of the other things um, that you've seen? I know, for example, one of the things that we did at Jersey, which is one of my own e-commerce businesses, uh, it's a beauty site here in the UK, right? And one of the things that we did, I tell this story just because I love it. You know, I, it's, it's one of my fave stories. Um, one of the things that we did to add value was we stopped shipping um, the products in a jiffy bag. Now, what I mean by this is, uh, I don't know what you call them in the States. A jiffy bag is basically an envelope that has bubble wrap inside it. It's like mm. a padded envelope. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so people would spend on average, say 60 or 70 quid on skincare off the beauty site, which is a lot of money, right? And so we would put the products in the jiffy bag and send them out. Now the products were actually sent in a cardboard box. So you would buy, say a moisturizer and the moisturizer would come in a cardboard box and I knew that straight away you would throw that cardboard box out, right? Mm-hmm. But even though you would throw it out and it had no residual value to this transaction at all, if that arrived damaged in the post, you thought the product had been damaged, even though you know it hadn't. Do you know what I mean? In some way, yeah. it's just yeah. an outer cardboard box. It's a bit like going to the supermarket. When you buy tins off the shelf, you always avoid the ones that have been bashed, yeah. right? Yeah, it's, it's that kind of weird thing. And so we started to put the products in boxes. Um, and so the goods would arrive in perfect condition whilst all my competitors were shipping them in these jiffy bags. Mm-hmm. And then, mm-hmm. you know, we had to keep innovating in this area. Eventually, we, a couple of years ago, what we did was we, we stopped putting products in those boxes with, you know, the plastic um, air pockets, you know, the big mm. plastic yeah. pillar type things uh, to protect the products. We put them, uh, we used packaging which was much more biodegradable, environmentally friendly, and a little bit more fun, we actually used popcorn and still do use popcorn. Oh, wow. 
So we have popcorn machines going all the time in the warehouse for the packaging, oh, wow. which is amazing. And so we get a lot of social. We never got a social media share when we just use the plastic pillars. Uh, but as soon as we started using popcorn, we got inundated with, you know, reviews and social media shares wow. and just adding value, just thinking about, you know, what can we do to make this a better experience for our customer? Um, yeah. So is, that's the kind of thing you're talking about here. Is that where I would put that on your results? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it would be a subset of it. Uh, when I look at value, there's so many ways to look at value. At the end of the day, value is an exchange. And so at the top of the value chain, you really are exchanging, in this case, like what we're doing here, I'm exchanging my time for people's attention. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of at the top of the funnel. The next stage is you usually exchange even more value for something even more valuable, uh, even more, you know, so for instance, people are going to download maybe my manifesto and exchange to get even more valuable content. And then the last stage is you're exchanging uh, usually money for some kind of result. So at the end yeah. of the day, the value is the result I get. And that could be looking better, feeling refreshed, et cetera. It doesn't have to be, you know, it, it could be intangible sometimes. Yeah. And so that's kind of how, what value is, it's a, it's a, it's a exchange. Now the, okay. there's really two kinds of value. However, there's real value and there's perceived value. So real value is what it actually does. So that is, you know, it, it does the job I paid it to do, you know, it tastes good. It, it works, et cetera. You know, it records. <laughs> I have to throw that one in. No. Uh, it's a sore point, the, but let's move on. Yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> uh, and then the, other, then the other part of it is perceived value. So this goes into the packaging. This goes to your authority. Mm. You know, why they're, everything that's wrapped around it, that's not actually, it's more intangible. So the real is tangible. The perceived is intangible. And then under that, really, really you can ask yourself really the, the basic questions you learn in grade school. The who, the what, the why, the where, the when. Mm -hmm. So people will buy, for instance, higher perceived value, the why. You know, if you have a mission and you have a yeah. purpose behind it, people will buy that. It could be, you know, going on the more tangible side, you might be educating people with it. People also buy because you're authority. You know, how many um, athletes are, are going into, you know, nutrition and things like that? And how yeah. many celebrities are now offering exercise programs yeah, yeah. because they have a high perceived value. So people buy that because of who they are, not necessarily what the product is. So value oh, yeah, has I many different. With, um, uh, who's the guy that played Thor? Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's done a, a fitness app, hasn't he? I've seen that. Yeah. Um, and he's killing it with that. And you just thought years ago, you never saw the movie stars doing this, did you? But they, you're right. They're doing the first time I ever saw it. And it may be an age thing was the George Foreman grill oh yeah yeah i remember that yeah do you, do you remember the george foreman yeah. grill and he i mean he killed it with that george foreman grill didn't he he did yeah and so yeah i see you see i see what you're saying now so they're bringing value with these extra things so the apps and so yes you've seen yeah. me on tv and now you can feel like you're connected to me much closer using this fitness app i'm gonna train you you know chris hemsworth is my trainer kind of thing so uh, yeah exactly it's clever so there's right? so many ways to look at value you can really expand it and so people get the track, the trap of just thinking about the product itself. A lot of times it's the intangibles around it that can, you know, increase it. And more importantly, increase your profits because yeah. those aren't really hitting your bottom line. Yeah, that's, that's so, so true. So true. I mean, uh, I don't know if this fits right now, but one of the things that I I've noticed with e-commerce is, is when it, when we're coming up to black Friday, right? So at the time of recording, uh, we're, we're in October. Yeah. And so by the time you hear this, it's 
going to be much closer to Black Friday, right? So as you're listening to this in your car or, or wherever you're listening to it, uh, and there's going to be two real main offers you see, isn't there, on Black Friday. Number one is I'm going to discount my product by some crazy number, especially because retail is just dive bomb this year. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to discount my product. The other way to add value is not to discount, but is to add, say, a gift with purchase to increase the perceived yeah. value of what you're getting, which is what you're, you were talking yeah. about earlier on Absolutely. Uh, with the bundles and stuff. And there'll be the two main ways that you see companies do it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, those are tried and true, and they work all the time. And they and they know that. But the reason why they're discounting it is again, they're looking at the lifetime value. So they're probably offering one product low, especially if it's you know, I'll use a non-e-commerce example, but like the retail stores, like yeah. we have a lot of WalMarts out here. They give you you know a TV for ten bucks, but they know you're going to buy twenty other things that they're they're going to be very profitable. And a lot of times in the physical store, they'll have those products right nearby it. Yeah, or yeah. this is where they're, they're the accessories, you know, it's like, Oh, I have the TV, but I need the HDMI card, HDMI cord. That cord is going to be up, you know, mark way up. Yeah. And so e Amazon is notorious for doing this, right? Yeah, yeah. You buy the product and then you see something else way, you know, way higher associated with it. Yeah. 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 That that's very, very true. Uh, in the UK, I don't know if you know this, we actually have Walmart. Uh, oh, you do? Okay. Well, not not technically as you have it in the States. Walmart bought out Asda, which is a big supermarket oh, okay. chain here. And oh, so um, it's still called Asda, but on the sign, it's like a Walmart company or something like that. Uh, and I've been in Walmarts in the States and I've been into Asda. And um, you can definitely see the similarities. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, that said, like you say, it's really clever. We call them lost leaders here where you yeah. sell something um, at a discount, maybe even making a small loss on it, knowing full well that you're going to get something on the front end. And yeah. um, and I've seen actually a lot of people, especially in the beauty industry, do this where they'll bring you in knowing the first order, they're making a, a massive loss on that first yeah. order. But their faith is in their ability to market and remarket to you so you buy a second time. So on the yeah. second order, they break even. On the third order, they make their profit. Correct. Yeah, it's very common. Yeah. I mean, like I like I mentioned before, I can remember if this was in a prior conversation or not, but uh, you look at Columbia House and the early record stores, they give you, you know, I remember buying CDs for a penny. Yeah. And then you they would have you getting it every month on a subscription and, you know, you're you're dropping $12 a month. And so that model was really where it started it was back in the 80s or whenever that was way back then. Or maybe it happened before that, but that's the earliest I can recall. Yeah. And it, it works today. Yeah, you're showing your age now, Tony, talking about yeah. being a kid in the 80s. Not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I grew up in the 80s as well. So, you know, I'm a, I'm a product of that, de that, uh, that decade. So we've got markets, we've got offerings, and we've got value. Is there anything else you wanted to add on value? No, I think that's the key thing is really you know, understanding the three levels of value yeah. uh, of where you're exchanging, then looking at the perceived versus real, and then how you do that, which is really asking the questions, the uh, the questions of what, where, when, why, how, yeah. et cetera. Okay. So what comes after value? So this is getting new buyers. And that usually is is the most expensive, right? Because the new buyer you acquire is always the most expensive. But this is where you have a funnel, you get people through, uh, you know, um, whether it's online media, whether it's PR, however you're getting it, that's really what drives the buyers. Yeah. Okay. So 
and this is uh, for me this is the one where everybody instantly goes to right because right. that's why i don't talk about it much i'm de- I'm, I'm de-emphasizing that yeah, one <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 everybody talks about and it's funny you know I, I was having this conversation the other day i was speaking at a conference and we were having this this debate about it you know when people come to you and they say listen i've my business isn't growing how do i do marketing it's like this follow-on question right mm. um if i had like, you know, 10 bucks every time someone came to me and said, my website, it's got traffic, but it's not got any sales. I, I, I need to do marketing. How do I do? I need to get more people to my website. How do yeah. I do that cheaply? I'm like you, if I go with your results route, you have actually missed steps one, two and three. Correct. You should not be on marketing right now. You should be on steps one, two and three. And right. I like the fact when I look at your results, loop, we've not talked about marketing until number four. Yeah. And, you know, we've, we've got around the corner and. And that I think is, is that, deli- I mean, it's obviously deliberate. Why did you put it there? Maybe a better question. Well, this goes back to my agent experience, agent, agency experience is very similar to what you had. You know, people come, they couldn't get results. You know, it's like, that's why you have to have the fundamentals down. Like don't even, you're not mar- what I call marketing ready. And when I say marketing ready, most people think, oh, I don't have the capacity to fulfill 10 million orders. That's not what I'm saying here. Like mm-hmm. you're literally not ready to be marketing. You should not be marketing until you define those first three areas. Yeah, yeah, that's so so important. So so important. But when you, um, I mean, we've had a lot of people on the show talking about marketing. But for you, what are some of the key um, strategies here? Some of the the key things that you would focus on if you were starting your cake business again, your e-commerce business. Well, well, I would start on what I have here. Who is my markets? How, what am I going to deliver them from a product and service perspective? And then the value proposition, I would go, I mean, that's why I created this loop because that would be the, the order I'd go in. Obviously I would take into account the uh, operations and the profitability, all the, you know, the financial parts. And actually if I did anything in my business career, I would have got a better handle on my numbers. Okay. Like I would be getting the bookkeeper in right away, you know, having everything documented, that would probably, and I think creatives have that hard, you know, that challenge more than most. Cause they mm. like, I'm, I'm a creator. I like to create stuff. I'm always building things. And it's like, Oh, that's financial stuff is boring, but that's how you create, uh, keep st- score. So if I was to do the, any of my businesses over again, I would have that in place at the very, very get go. That's probably the biggest mistake I've made, but a lot of businesses I work with have that as well. That's really interesting. That's really fascinating. Okay. Um, so what what are some of the things that assuming you've done one two and three and you've yeah. come around to number four then with your um, e-commerce business what are some of the things that you would look at uh, in marketing some of the, the key touch points i'm just curious to know what's important you think in this area yeah so in terms of getting new buyers that should really match and you kind of hit on this yourself it's got to match those areas and so you know i had the question all the time too where people have traffic but it's not converting well, do you have your value proposition very clear? Mm-hmm. Can people self-identify themselves on a website, on a market? So if you've ever been into a restaurant and everyone's, you know, 30 years older than you, do you feel out of place? You know, or the, that yeah. you, know, you're, you go in, you're the oldest person there. Do you feel out of place? Same thing on a website. They call that message to market match. Yeah. People want to make sure they, they belong there because if they don't, they're not going to convert. And so making sure all these things go along on your website, but then taking that even further. Is that matching your blog posts? Is it matching your lead magnets, your your, your downloadables? Do, do they match who actually your targeted buyer is? Because the more specific you are, 
generally the higher the conversion rate. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. Really interesting. I call, I've I've heard this called many different names, USP, um, you know, that kind of, what's your your proposition, your unique proposition, your unique selling point. Um, And this language is covered. I actually use the word context where, you know, what is the key dilemma you are solving for your client? And yeah. have you have you put that on the website in a way that they can self-identify with, right? Right. No, that's so, it. I, and that that for me is the key, right? So if you're doing a consulting business, I am a uh, online e-commerce consultant that will 10x your business. Um, yeah. And you don't even, uh, I will 10x your business even if you are utterly confused by all the jargon and lingo that people are using, yeah. right? Yeah. So someone's going to come across that and they're going to go, that's me. I don't understand what people are saying, but I want to grow my business. I'm going to talk to this guy. So they're self-identifying because I've clearly articulated to them who I'm serving and how I'm going to do that. Yeah. Is that the yeah, kind of thing be, that you're talking about here? Yeah, absolutely. People want to be understood. They want to know that you understand them and can solve the problem because that's really what they, why people buy, it goes back to their motives. I guess this is, this is a more advanced thing I teach in my value course, but essentially motives. Like they're, they're either moving towards gain or away from pain and pain is more, is a stronger thing to move, uh, you know, in terms of yeah, marketing, but that's the first thing they have to see is like, are they addressing the problem I have? Yeah. You know, that's the key thing. Cause that's what drives it. And that's really what that exchange is about. Like, if you look at what I said before, like, here's where they are, here's where they want to be. Yeah. That's why I call the value, you know, the results bridge. Yeah. The distance you take them from here to there is, is, a, is really driving how much value you're really providing and therefore how much money you can actually make. So yeah. it's all about the bigger the problem you solve for, the, for as many people as possible, the more value you'll, you'll provide, the more money you'll bring back in. That's really good. Yeah, that's really good. Fantastic. I feel like I could talk about this all night, but we should probably get on to point number yeah, five. Yeah, that, right? that can get very deep. <laughs> number three can get very deep. I can see we're going to have more conversations about this, Tony. <laughs> yeah. uh, so we've gone through number four, the numbers. We're now on number five, which is? That is the size of the buyer or lifetime value. And so this is looking at- Oh, I was thinking trans- size as in- Size. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. Are they the size, size of the buyer. 10? <laughs> no, this is the size of the buyer. So once you have a buyer, not all buyers are equal. And this is where you want to know your markets because you might find that some markets are worth much more. Those are the ones you want to go after. Okay. And that comes down as a function of their lifetime value, which is how much they're spending and really over, you know, how many times they're, they're spending it. That's really, really cool. So a classic example of this, and tell me if I'm hitting this or if I'm totally missing the point here. So at Jersey, um, uh, the beauty company we have, we have numerous different skincare brands on there, right? And one of them is a French skincare brand called Guino. And the typical buyer of Guino is very different to, say, the typical buyer of a brand like Dermalogica. For example, so these are two skincare brands. I don't expect you to know them, Tony. It's fine. And, <laughs> um, but what I would say is the the average spend of a Gino buyer is much higher than the average spend of a Dermalogica buyer. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gino buyers tend to be uh, older, have more disposable income. They tend to reside more in the wealthier parts of the UK. Not all necessarily, but you can see yeah. um, from the graphs where they sort of tend to reside more. Um, but Dermalogica is a much more popular product. So the, the market size for Dermalogica is bigger, but the average order value of a Gino customer is much higher. And so there's, there's, 
this really interesting dilemma we have. Do we um, do we put resource into going after the bigger dermalogica market where it's hyper competitive, or do we put resource into going to this smaller market where the size of it, the average order value for me is much much higher, where yeah. there's less competition, but there's there's less. Um, it's a much smaller pond, if that makes yeah. sense. No, absolutely. That's it. And then in terms of taking action, this is where those upsells and cross-sells comes into play because that's what direct, directly increases the value or bundles. There's so many ways to do it, especially in e-commerce. E-commerce yeah. is great because you can automate a lot of what would happen in, a, in an offline world where you have a salesperson, not very reliable. <laughs> you know, if, if, if it's done online, you can leverage data. It's just a much more powerful scenario. And so that's how you increase your, your size or your buyer. Yeah, uh, fantastic. Fantastic. Okay. And then finally, we are coming around to loyalty. Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Loyalty is probably the most. I just love under- this word. I, this was the one that, if, I, if I'm honest with you, the one yeah. word that stuck out to me more than any on your loop was this last one, loyalty. I'm like, I can't wait to hear what he's got to say about this. This is my favorite one because it's the most underappreciated. And it's usually where I start. So if, I'm a, if, if it's a startup, I go around the loop. If it's an established company, you go reverse mm-hmm. because loyalty is always the lowest hanging fruit. Because again, going back to lifetime value and cost per acquisition, there is no cost per acquisition because you've already acquired the customer. So loyalty to define it is really two things. It's looking at how do I get the buyers to buy more? And then secondly, how do I get them to drive referrals? How do I get them to advocate for me? Yeah, Because that is, is a huge thing that businesses miss all the time. So, um, I mean, this is fascinating. And I, I, I call this repeatability and referability, right? So mm. um, uh, the yo-yo effect is in my language in terms of getting these people, our loyal customers to buy from us time and time again, but also getting them to refer out um, and be our evangelists, our promotion experts and all that sort of stuff. What are some of the things then that you have seen well uh, in helping uh, our customers referrers and promoters and sharers what are some of the tips and tricks that you've picked up there yeah that's a great question i mean there's so many things you can do with loyalty but the 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 foundational thing is is really to have a good product you know that's the (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the first thing that's the first because nobody will say that there the most people will give you some tactic oh use this special pop-up you know remind them no start with your product and so i actually have a pyramid I have a, I have a, uh, I think it's uh, the retention pyramid. I have uh, Ascension for loyalty. So there's two frameworks I use and I teach about that. But essentially, you want to start the base. How is your product? How is your customer service? And then you kind of work up to the more tactical things and, and the things that will drive. But also be remarkable. Yeah. Like that's what you did with the popcorn, right? Yeah. So that was something, it was, it was a, what they call a pattern interrupt. People see something and then, you know, if we're having this, this, you know, podcast, all of a sudden a gorilla walks behind me, that's going to get your attention, yeah, right? Yeah. You're going to say what, what, so it's, it's called pattern interrupt. So that's essentially what you do in, in e-commerce by doing the popcorn, but there's so many other ways you can do it. It takes creativity. If you use creativity, that is, you know, kind of a very easy way. Cause then you're not enticing someone to refer you. They're doing it on their own accord. And so that's just so much more powerful and more viral. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I like that. Be remarkable. It kind of reminds me of, um, is it Seth Godin that wrote the book Purple Cow? 
Yes. Have yes. you ever read that book all about? Being I haven't. I, I've heard about it. I haven't actually read it yet. Yeah. His whole theory was, and this is why I call the book Purple Cow. He said, if you saw a purple cow, that's remarkable. And, and he talks about remarkability as in you are going to remark about it. You are going to talk about it. Something that is remarkable. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That was how he defined it is you are going to talk. That's for him was his definition was if it's remarkable, people will talk about it. They will tell people mm. about it. If mm. you saw a purple cow, you would tell people about it. And yeah. it's a great book. Definitely. You know, if, if you're listening, yeah. you go read it. I, I thought it was and the principles still apply today. Um, but in terms of being remarkable, I think that that is fantastic. That um, that's what we did with the popcorn. Yeah, absolutely. That, like you say, that was that was being remarkable. And um, I mean, I don't know if you've got any other examples of companies that you think are remarkable. Well, I mean, Zappos, from an e-commerce perspective, very well known for their for their customer support. They kind of set the yep. bar for that. Oh, gosh, um, I'm trying to think of something lately I've bought. Uh, well, even just, you know, um, there's been examples where I've gotten thank you notes and things like that that were totally unexpected. And those can yeah. be dynamically generated, you know, so it looks almost like it's real. Yeah. Uh, you know, things like that, just going the little extra mile. Like there's a saying was that the extra, the last mile isn't crowded, something along those lines. But yeah. if you're at the very top of that, you really don't have any competition. So yeah. how do you just, just do that little bit more That's to stand above the rails? Advice. You're going to yeah. be, you're going to be, you know leap years ahead no i like that the last mile is not crowded that's such a good phrase yeah and uh yeah what can you do i think it's, it's brilliant brilliant how can you think that through and everybody's got something right they could do everything everybody's got something that just makes them stand out and i found here tony i don't know about you but i found here what you can't do is you can't stand still so what makes me no. remarkable today what helps me uh get commented on today becomes the normal tomorrow, doesn't it? Yeah. And so yeah, you absolutely. have to keep pushing. You have to keep being innovative, which is great if you're a creative type of person, right? Yeah. You just, that, yeah. that whole thing just gives you a buzz and you're thriving. Yes, we are going to continue to push. Uh, but once you've got the fact, but first, before you get pushing, what I'm hearing you say is get these foundations right. And then you can do all the fancy bits, that, you know, once absolutely. Yeah, because yeah, I could get the thank you note, but if I'm ready to ring your my my um wife, we're homeschooling our kids right now because of COVID, and she's ordered these books. She has not talked to. She's called, been on the phone for an hour. She must have called a dozen times by now. Can't reach anybody. We used to love the program. Now we can't stand it. So they could they could send me a thank you note, and that would probably go in a furnace somewhere. <laughs> you know, so it's like send it back with a yeah picture going. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's <laughs> that's so true. That's so true. I think the other thing to say here is be consistent. I I remember um, yeah. we uh, <laughs> one year we were we were getting so crazy with the beauty company. One of the guys from one of the ladies from the warehouse, a beautiful lady called Nicola, came to me, and she said, "Matt, we're coming up to Easter." I said, "Yeah." She said. Um, and we had this, we had this phrase that we have this phrase at Jersey called smocks. Uh, and we mm. defined a smock as a sexy moment of customer service. Right. And so yes. it was just, it was a moment of customer service with a little bit of sexiness added to it, a, a bit of je ne sais quoi, if you like. <laughs> yeah. And so uh, one of the things that we've always said to the guys, listen, if you've got an idea for a smock, I would love to know what it is, right? Especially the guys in the warehouse, because they see 
who were sending stuff out to on a regular basis. They touch it. They, do you know what I mean? They, they get yeah. it more than anybody. And um, almost more sometimes than the data you get from Google Analytics. They, mm. they, they've got like a sixth sense, these guys. And, um, and Nicola came to me and said, listen, what I want to do is it's coming up to Easter. So why don't we um, just put a little, um, do you have them in the States? Cadbury's cream eggs? Oh, yeah, uh, I love those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those just, are fantastic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let's just put one of those in every order. And yeah. I was like, and this must have been 10 years ago. I said, that's genius. Let's do that. So I, I go to the store and I, I literally, I had it back then, I was driving around in a little Mini Cooper, right? Little speed rocket, go-kart mm. on wheels, amazing things. And I literally crammed every square inch of that car with um, these Cadbury's cream eggs. My kids loved it because they kept finding them for weeks on the way to school. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> Chocolate all over their face. And we put them in the boxes and we sent them out. And, um, and you know what, we did that and we did that, but when we stopped doing that, maybe three or four years later, people were like, they would call us, where's my cream egg? Oh uh, yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's, it was yeah. crazy. Cause you've, you've got yeah. to have that consistency. And, yeah. um, I thought it was really fascinating. So what they started to do, the girls in the warehouse, they would just, they would start to notice different people were ordering different and they would start to recognize names. So they'd put a handwritten note in a parcel saying, Hey, it's mm. Nicola in the warehouse. I see you keep ordering from us. Really appreciate it. It's a family business. Um, thanks so much. And then she would put some chocolate inside the box. Uh, mm. one time she put chocolate inside the box without the note. And so we got this email from the, from the lady in the customer. So this doesn't relate to anything. I just think it's a funny story. Uh, we got an email from the lady saying, uh, I'm not being funny, but I think someone left their lunch in my, <laughs> in my order. <laughs> Cause she got this sort of chocolate without any explanation as to what it was. She That's was funny. like, so these things can backfire a little bit. I'm not saying they, they're, they're perfect. So listen, we've, um, We've gone through markets. We've got offerings. We've got value. We've got our numbers and marketing. We've got the size and we've got number six loyalty. And the way you've drawn this, I appreciate if you're listening, uh, you are not seeing what I'm seeing on my screen, which is uh, it's the infinity loop, isn't it? Yes. The way you've drawn it and you've broken the infinity loop up into these sort of six areas. Uh, and so I'm guessing from the way you draw it and the fact you call it a results loop, as clever as I am, this is not a linear process. You get to the stop and the end. It looks no. like you've gone right back to the beginning and you, you're constantly going around. Is that right? Yes. Yes. It's recursive. You're always going back around it. And so this, you're never stopping mm. by design because that's what you have to do. And so I recommend reviewing this at least quarterly, you know, for myself, I review it more um, more than that. I also, uh, it's a great thing to learn, uh, and review when you're stuck, you know, so if you're stuck, so for instance, I pivoted some areas of my agency and I referenced the loop for myself, even though I created it, I use it myself. You can see I have it as a whiteboard even. Yeah, yeah. So I whiteboard my ideas on here and leverage that. I also use the worksheets and, and that's really what helps me brainstorm. So, cause it's a tool, not just a plan. It's a really a way to brainstorm and kind of discover opportunities you may not have thought about just by going through the exercise. Yeah. Okay. So why did you, if I can bring this right back to the beginning, why did you call this small steps um, to grow profits? Yeah, well, that started actually with my mother. Uh, so my mother, unfortunately, uh, grew up in a time very much like what we have today. 
And so um, with the pandemic, yeah. she had, she contracted polio. Oh, so wow. back in the late 1930s, there was a polio epidemic and uh, she was unable to walk from the age of nine months old all the way up to 14. Wow. And so even before this, I asked, how did you do that? Like, how did you mentally have the capacity to like survive that? And like what enabled you to accomplish your, your vision? Her vision at that age was just simply be able to walk in high heels. Something, you know, maybe a lot of people take for granted for her. That was like her vision. Yeah. And so when she was in the hospital, they started off, you know, doing pottery. So she could build up her nervous system, get a little strength. Then she progressed to the um, pool, learned to, uh, to swim a little bit, gain more strength. And then finally walking between two poles, she went step by step or took small steps. And that was really kind of the impetus between behind wow. the results loop of like knowing what to take. Cause for business owners, it's what do I have to do? How do I do it? And how do I take action? That was something she learned even in the hospital as a child. So this wow. is not just a business lesson. This is a life lesson. That's a wonderful story. That is a wonderful, Thank you. And that must mean a lot to you, right? That you've managed to sort of connect yeah. all these things together. That's so powerful. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. That's awesome. So going around this loop, this is, this is you taking your small steps, isn't it? And you're doing this, uh, every yeah. quarter or however long it is, and you're taking these small steps and this will work whether you're doing a startup business, whether you're starting out an e-commerce or whether you're a big corporate organization, the principles are still the same, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I try to take it principles. Yeah. 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 I love it. I love it because you've simplified it and I get it. I understand it. Now, um, I have in front of me uh, a PDF with a lot more of this information in but, that you talk about, yeah. um, which I, I somehow downloaded off your website. So can people get access to more of this information if they need to? Yes, absolutely. So it's completely free. And I mean, free as in no lead form or anything. Like yeah, I, I didn't have to want... fill out my email. I was really shocked. No. I was like, oh yeah. my goodness, he's not yeah. asked me for my name and email. I'm definitely no. downloading this. Yeah. Yeah. I really just want people to have the information. And so you just go to smallstepsmanifesto.com and it's available. And there's the, uh, the diagram, the loop, some of the stories we talked about and a whole lot more. Yeah, no, do go ahead uh, to uh, the site, Tony's site, smallstepsmanifesto.com, and you can download that PDF. And as always, we will put a link to uh, Tony's site and to you know how to connect with Tony uh, on the website. So you can always download that in the show notes. But this is a 37-page PDF. I'm scrolling down it now uh, as I'm talking. It is a beautifully – I mentioned this to you before. It's beautifully designed. Um and easy to read, easy to scan, and jam-packed full of all kinds of amazing information. I see all kinds of cool company logos at the bottom as well. And there's a very, uh, very flattering photo of you in there, Tony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good Photoshop skills. You know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it looks great. That looks great. Listen, how do people uh, get hold of you if they want to get hold of you? Yeah, probably the best way to go to my website, meettonyg.com. You scroll down to the bottom, just connect me with, on uh, LinkedIn and just tell me you, uh, you saw the show. That'd be great. So uh, meettonyg.com uh, is your website. And you can go there and connect with Tony through that on LinkedIn and uh, also through smallstepsmanifesto.com. Go check that out. Uh, Tony, listen, finally, I think we've made it through. We've made it to yes. the end. Um I really appreciate you sticking with it. And I, I honestly, I've, I've learned a lot. I've got a lot of notes and we've really, really enjoyed you being with us. 
before you go, sorry, there's one question I did have for you. Yeah. Um, and that is about your book. Uh, yes. You've got a book. Either it's out or it's coming out very soon. It's coming out. It's coming out very soon. You can pre-order it today. So if you go to that website, the manifesto, small steps manifesto, you can, uh, there's a link within the PDF to pre-order it. So that's available now for pre-order. Awesome. And the, the, the book is about what you've talked about. Is that right? Yes. So the manifesto took some of the juiciest parts out from the book and, and it's all there for the taking. But if you want to go deeper, then it's all in the, in the book. Oh, wow. Okay. So, uh, and you can pre-order that at smallstepsmanifesto.com. Um, Correct. and, uh, yeah, I will be on the list. I'm going to go and pre-order. Will you deliver to the UK? Yeah, of course. We'll Especially for out. you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we'll figure it out. Um, that's great. Tony, listen again, really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being with us. It has been absolutely fantastic. Thank you so, yeah, th so much. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. So there you go. That was the show with Tony. That was the final episode of season number three. I hope you got a lot out of it. Wasn't Tony fantastic, giving us so much value? Really grateful to him for doing that. Do check out his stuff. Do connect with him online uh, because it will be worth it. Trust me, download that PDF. It is jam-packed worth of stuff. Uh, so we will be back again very soon with season four. That's right. We're going to be on season four. So this is the final, uh, final episode of season three. We'll be back in just a few short weeks with season four with some more great guests uh, on how to drive and grow your own e-commerce business. So do stay connected with us. Thanks for being with us. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And I promise when we're back, we will have the live streaming thing fixed. Thanks for, thanks for watching. Thanks for tuning in. Bye for now. You've been listening to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson. Join us next time for more interviews, tips, and tools for building your business online.